Hello everyone and welcome to the I'll start that again. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to the Kickabout VAR in the headlines again and a Korean guy spoils Pep's day. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete and I'm Tam. Everyone and welcome to episode 144 of the Kickabout. Uh, we've got a weird weekend of football to talk about this week with some very strange results, some ridiculous VAR con- controversy, um, and we have a Kickabout alternate universe to have some fun with in a moment as well. But of course, before all of that, we will start with this. <laughs> So I've got two, but um, so they're going to do the normal one where answer it afterwards. And okay. I've got another one that I thought was quite interesting that just answer like right now. Oh. Um, so the the normal one, um, Ollie Watkins is the first player to score two hat-tricks in a single season in all competitions for Aston Villa since who? I heard this stat, but I can't yeah, fucking remember thought, which name they said. Like, Villa. Yeah. yeah. Villa. Um, and then the one that I saw that I thought was quite interesting... Um, at this, at the same stage, this, well, sorry, last season, mm-hmm. 22-23 season, there had been five red cards. Do you know how many there have been so far? This, this is the one you want us to answer now? Yeah, yeah. How have there been this season? Well, there's been, there was like almost five this weekend, wasn't there? <laughs> um, I'd say around like eight or nine. Okay. Yeah, I'll go, I think there's been more. I think there's been quite a few. I'm going to say 12. 17. Jesus Christ. That's mental. Wow. I mean... What team's got the most? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's mad. I mean, obviously, I know they've they've been uh, clamping down, sorry, on some of the things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I suspect what's happening is is that there's a lot more yellow cards being dished out Mm. for the first yellow cards. And then they're, you know, resulting in more, more second yeah, yellows. So there's a lot more like time of... wasting and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, uh, right. Okay. Well, um, we are going to, we might as well talk about FPL because it's just getting fucking stupid now, isn't it? Um, I'm this close to deleting my entire account <laughs> just so that uh, my name is completely erased from all the leaderboards. I mean, I don't even know where to start with my weekend. So I'll talk you for it. My first decision of the weekend was whether or not to have Pau Torres or Estepinian, because they were both playing each other. Uh, I chose Estepinian, who scored an own goal and conceded six goals. Although, did he get dragged off before, or did he stay on the whole game? Who, Estepinian? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, he had a shocker. Because I heard he was having, and somebody said he might get hauled at half-time, but either way, he got minus two. Um, I then benched uh, Joachim Anderson, thinking that United would at least score a goal against them. Uh, He not only kept a clean sheet, but he scored the winning goal, so that's 15 (laughs) points that have been left on my bench that I'll only get as long as Sterling doesn't come on tonight. Uh, what else? Hoyland doing fuck all. Luis Diaz, fuck all. Um, no clean sheet for Edison because uh, they conceded two. Um, Udoggy did nothing. Madison did nothing. And Botman and Wilson were injured. And as a result, I got 27 points. <laughs> Which is not... I mean, I think I'm fairly certain I only, I've only had one weekend where I've been above the national average or the, the FPL really? average, right? I've always been below. I got 27 this week. The average was 44. 
I was 17 points below <laughs> the average for all of FPL. I just, I hate my life. <laughs> I don't understand why I just, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm, I've got three or four players I want to take out. I knew Hoyland and Diaz were a little bit of a gamble, but I thought certainly Diaz would get mm. me more points than he has. Um, and at this point, I th- I'm thinking I just might have to swallow a minus eight or a minus 12 to change my team round and try and get back on track. Mm. Because at this point, what have I got to fucking lose? <laughs> I'm either going to be last or last at, at the way I'm yeah. going. So, but anyway, that was my weekend. How did you, Pete, you had a better weekend, didn't you? I had a better weekend, yeah. I put Watkins in. I think the only thing I regret not doing is captaining because that would have got me some lovely old points. But yeah, overall, tricky. Did you captain Harland? Yeah. He got all of what was it, four he got? In total, yeah, in total, yeah. yeah, from yeah, good. Um, yeah, Ariola again was six. He's actually proven to be a pretty decent asset considering he was actually going to be a backup for me. It's amazing how many points Ariola has got this season, given that that a week, lot of save points. Yeah, well, this weekend just gone was our first clean sheet of the yeah, season, yeah, and he's yeah. one of the top scoring goalies yeah, in FBL. He saved a penalty, didn't he? Yeah, um, so yeah, he's uh, he's doing well just as, as West Ham are doing quite well at the moment, yeah. which is mm-hmm. nice. Uh, Matty Cash again I put Trippier in just because I didn't want to miss out on all those points he seems to be getting at the moment um, Eze got me a few and the only regret is probably putting Isak on the bench but giving his recent he scored um, at the weekend didn't he yeah, yeah, penalty. Penalty. that was a penalty okay. um, but yeah pretty good 66 points um, I think that put me in the top 2 million nice just so not must bad be, must, be, must be nice looking down upon us mm. Us people down below. Dan, what about you? Um, yeah, I had a pretty average week. I'm on 47 at the moment, but I've got Matty Cash to come on for Botman. And yeah. I've got um, Bell for Luton to have his second game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're so double game week, aren't they? Yeah. Might get two points, might get six if he um, manages to keep a clean sheet against Burnley. So yeah, I saw, I saw a few people gamble on Morris yeah. for the same reason. And obviously he got a goal at the weekend, yeah. which we'll cover later. Um, yeah, if he gets another goal, it's actually a pretty genius call because yeah. Luton... I've seen a few obviously, him as well. Yeah, obviously Luton are pretty dire, but actually these two fixtures are not awful. No. Burnley and, and Everton are actually two good fixtures for them, so mm. it's not a, not been a bad gamble for them. So, yes, uh, revel in my woes, won't you, everybody? I've been getting loads of stick. The next person who messages me that in our group chat is being asked <laughs> to leave. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm hopeful I can just salvage some fucking pride here at the moment because I think when I was looking at one of the leagues I'm in, if I have, like, one really good week... I'm kind of not back in the mix amongst the top, but I'm certainly not going to be cut adrift. It's still early enough to get back in. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm like fifth or sixth in a few of my groups, but I'm only like 25 points behind first. So. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully... Well, these fucking daddy long legs, man. <laughs> They've all been down the gym this summer. Uh-huh. Massive bust. Well, let me grab him. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> A very, that's a very visual element of the podcast, but they won't, they won't get there. Um, right, okay, we're going to move on. I'm going to try and catch his daddy long legs at some point. Maybe I'll do it when somebody else is talking. Uh, we're going to move on and do our kickabout alternate universe because we've um, racking our brains trying to find something fun and interesting to talk about. And I've taken a little bit of inspiration from Pep Guardiola this weekend, who, of course, if you didn't hear, made a little bit of a, um, uh, a misstep or a mis- misspeak, if you like when he referred to uh, Huang Hee Chan of Wolves as the Korean guy. <laughs> and of course, the Korean guy turned out to score the winner in the Wolves City game at the weekend. So what we've uh, what we've done is I've asked everybody to collate a list of uh, quotes or managers or anything like that in football where something they've said or done has come back to bite them in the ass. Uh, so who wants to go first? Dan, why don't you go first? 
So I went for the FA Cup final of 2016. Nice. Where Palace went 1-0 up and Alan Pardew decided to dance in front of the camera. It was the worst fucking dance (laughs) in the world. I mean, most people thought he was a bit of a bellend anyway. (laughs) That just was the the pure confirmation of it. And then United obviously went on to win the game. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's a good one. Um, Pete? I've got quite a few. Um, Go on, they're, not, they're not all um, manager related. Uh, the one I love the best, it was actually on um, that Netflix doc- documentary, Sunderland Until I Die. Okay. And their manager at the time, uh, Lee, I can't remember who, I can't remember his surname, um, just going ahead of the Bolton game, they were sitting top of the league and they said uh, if they want to be a successful club and get promoted they need to be put in at least four or five past teams like Bolton. <laughs> um, 90 minutes later, Bolton won the game 6-0. <laughs> uh, what others have I got? Um, the Everton motto. The Everton motto? Yeah, on their badge, I noticed that they've got something that says, and I'm going to absolutely polish this, <laughs> uh, Nil Satis Nisi... Optimum, okay. which is translated to nothing but the best is good enough. <laughs> um, I would disagree. I think maybe they need to translate that in English because I'm not sure everyone understands that one. <laughs> put that in English on your badge, Everton. Um, maybe that's why they put it in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another one, uh, Trey Adams, when he moved to Southampton. Obviously, we want to win the league. And they got relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually say that? Yeah. That's mad. When when they when he signed, he had an interview and he said, "Obviously, we want to win the league, and with this group of guys, there's no reason why we can't." And instead, they wow. finished bottom. That's a level of delusion I wasn't sure was available to players who play for clubs like Southampton. With respect, or do we take when Eden Hazard moves from Chelsea to Real Madrid and said that he wanted to be successful, and then Chelsea went on to win the Champions League? Yes, and they got Hazard <laughs> went on to have a very injury hit and. How to how do we how do we put this like uh, relaxed diet shall we say mm. at Real Madrid and barely did anything for them. Uh, my one I've gone for um, a slightly more rounded approach with this one. So I don't necessarily think that anything particularly came back to bite this guy in the ass, other than the fact that he has just faded into obscurity <laughs> after several stints as manager in the Premier League and and elsewhere. Uh, Felix Magat, possibly the craziest bastard ever to manage a football. I'm going to read you some of the stories that have been said by people. Steve Sidwell shared um, some some of these stories. He was well-renowned uh, for having sort of very unconventional coaching methods. Uh, apparently, uh, the players were made to stand still for 40 minutes after they lost when he was manager <laughs> at Fulham. He just asked them to stand still and do nothing. He also revealed uh, that he ordered his players to have a pint on away trips. <laughs> I mean, that one, that one doesn't sound quite so bad, but maybe not for a professional footballer. Um, and this one, uh, Braid, do you remember Braid Hangeland? Hangeland, yeah, maybe yeah. perhaps his name. Uh, this is a story he told. He said, I once got a dead leg, which is pretty painful. Um, <laughs> the club doctor informed me that due to a new policy, McGarth had to approve all medical procedures. That policy, it transpired, involved rubbing cream cheese on the affected area. <laughs> he had to rub a bit of Dairy Lee or, Fili- Dairy or Philadelphia Lee. on his on his uh, on his dead leg. Uh, he was also nicknamed Saddam for his grueling pre-season fitness regimes. 
He was also labelled as the last dictator in Europe by former Eintracht Frankfurt charge uh, Bakira <laughs> Salu. Uh, McGuff had a, a miscellany of mad methods, including a sponsored propensity to call players into his office and then just stare at them for up to five minutes without saying a word. Imagine that this guy is your manager. I mean, he looks fucking mental anyway. Look at him. Mm. He looks absolutely mental. But some of those, I mean, that's borderline insanity. But yeah, so whilst none of them in particular came back to bite him in the ass, the fact that no one's seen or heard from him since his time in England back in uh, like mid-2000s, mm. I think, by the last time he managed it, um, probably tells us that uh, maybe some of these methods didn't really work out. Uh, right, okay, let's um, let's move on. Um, and unfortunately, we are going to have to talk once more, yet again, about VAR. Because we're going to start at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Tottenham played out a very entertaining match involving, I think it was 12 yellows in the end in this game between uh, the two sides. But of course, VAR is, is what's grabbed the headlines. It's what's grabbed all of the attention after this game. And has taken somewhat of the shine off of what was a brilliant game of football. Where do we even start with VR? Now, I don't want to cross old ground here because we've talked about VR a lot on this show over the past couple of seasons. But where are we at right now, do you think? You know, take taking put aside maybe personal feelings for a moment and try and think about this with a level head. Where is VAR in the eyes of football, in the eyes of the fans? Is there is is there any recovering from these sorts of things, do you think? Or is it are we now on a path towards some sort of self-destruction with this? Uh, I think this is one of the biggest fuck-ups they've had. Mm. Um, especially with their excuse as to why they got it wrong, that they thought that they'd given the goal, so they decided not to say that it didn't need correcting because the on-field decision was right. And it, Apparently there is a rule that states that after the referee restarts play, unless there's been a case of mistaken identity or there's been a red card offence, you can't go back. So that as stupid as it sounds, it is the rule, which is why they weren't able to go back. What boggles my mind is that there's multiple, I don't know how many, is it what, five, six people in that VAR room for these games? How has not one of them realised that the goal was originally disallowed? But they didn't, the weird thing is as well, they didn't use any lines for the offside. No. Gary Neville said it was offside as well, though, watching the replays. Did he? Mm-hmm. In, in the commentary, he was like, oh, that's offside. Yeah, 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 you can see. Yeah. Really? He must have been the only fucking yeah, one then, because yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I looked at it, I immediately straight away looked at that and thought that was onside. I just find it strange they didn't put any lines down. Uh, Yeah, I mean, unless they were... I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought the lines, putting the lines in was kind of a mandatory thing yeah. they had to do for those sorts of calls. And I wouldn't say it was... I mean, it looked visually onside, but I wouldn't say it was so obviously onside that they would say, mm. oh, no, we don't need to worry about the lines for that because it's so obvious. I don't think we were that close to that. Um, what about just like general sort of um, fan trust? Because Liverpool, of course, they've received an apology from the PGMOL, um, which probably rings quite hollow given that, you know, this drastically changed this game. Um, and we'll talk about the two red cars as well. What Do you think Liverpool... How, how should Liverpool play this, really? Because they've already asked for the footage to be released, the audio transcripts. Is there a, I I say, think, is I, there a point? No, not really, because because there's on, they're on about like suing them and stuff like that. And like go back to before VAR, you know, we, we had decisions that weren't correct because it was down to human error. Yeah. And you couldn't then be like, oh, I'm going to sue the linesman because he didn't give offside when it should have been. Yeah. So to me, they haven't really got 
a case. I know there's obviously a lot more they should they should get it right because that's the whole point of VAR is that there are no mistakes. Yeah. Or that it minimizes them. I mean, I'm kind of glad you said that because there is a human element here. Mm. As much as this is a fuck up of fairly significant proportions, this is just human error. Yeah. Um, so are we as a as a footballing medium, you know, the fans, the, the the general media, are we getting a bit carried away that we are vilifying what's happened here based on this situation alone? Or do you think that the bias of what we think about VR in general is coming into this as well? I think even if you just use that example alone, you've got the technology there and that's what it's there to do. And if they're not going to utilise the technology they have and then go back after and apologise, it's meaningless anyway. Mm. I think what, what doesn't help is the is the way the game ended. Like, obviously, for Matip to like score the 96th minute... What a finish, by the way. What finish. a finish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if Liverpool had gone on to win it, I don't think there'd be such a, a big uproar about it. Yeah. But the problem is with Liverpool, and I don't, I don't intend to mean it in a bad way, but they are... It's very much always, why is it always us? They do tend to whinge about a lot. It was interesting because I actually felt that Klopp handled it reasonably well in his interview after the game. I think you know he would have been understandably and justifiably angry at what had happened. I don't know whether at that point whether he would have known exactly the reason why it wasn't given or whether he just thought maybe mm. it was a fuck up and you know or or whatever. But I thought that he handled it quite well. But if you if you look back, so I'm looking right now at a list of all of the apologies that PGMOL have, have listed. Um, this calendar year, we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've had seven in this calendar year so far. Um, and then we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven last calendar year. So we've had 14 errors that have required an official apology since the start of last season. So we're only talking, so we're talking 14 errors in one season plus about seven games. Mm. That's a lot of errors to be apologising for. And that's where my concern lies, is that if we are, you know, they they come out with the kind of the, the general PR bullshit, don't they? It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll conduct an investigation. We'll, we'll make sure that uh, lessons yeah, are learned. Yeah, they suspend the uh, Yeah, they suspend, it, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then they, apparently there, there was some, um, there was two guys plus Michael Oliver who'd been in the United Arab Emirates up until Friday. And then they came in and, and did the game um, on the Saturday. So then there's questions about, well, are they, are they knackered? Are they, are they tired from their excursions, et cetera? Maybe they're playing by FIFA. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so yeah, my, my my worry is with this is that we're not seeing a slowing down of these errors, and some of these errors are as we as we've seen this one really really bad. At what point do we have to say something is not working here, and and what and therefore what do we do to address it? Do you? I, I honestly don't think the PGMOL, the FA, the Premier League are ever going to do a climb down and take VAR away. No, I don't see it happening. Because I, I think, think to do that, investment into it. well, that and also it would mean admitting that they fucked up and it yeah. doesn't, it's not working, and and historically they don't do that. Yeah, but even before VAR came in, there were mistakes week upon week of offsides, mm-hmm. handballs, but it's only getting put in a spotlight now because they have the technology there. Yeah, do we, we've seen stuff be implemented in like the World Cups and Euros and stuff like that that have worked really well, like that like three D offside yeah, thing. I wish they would bring that and in. And they just don't they don't put it in the Premier League. And I can't remember what it was, but they done football with um, the refs being mic'd up as well. Yeah, they so they did a trial in Australia hmm. with that, 
and that was actually I don't know if you've seen yeah, the video. Yeah, but it was yeah. really, really good. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, very interesting. I I do like. I will say one thing. I do like the fact that Howard Webb is at least coming out and allowing us to hear the transcripts and audio conversations in certain decisions, even ones where it's being highly controversial. I think he did the one where there was a Man United, uh, sorry, Man City player right in the eye line of the goalkeeper. And we all said, how the fuck was that not offside? Mm. And he played that one. Yeah. So I thought credit to him. He's 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 not shying away from giving us, you know, the the reasons behind these decisions. So at least at that point you can make a clear decision on whether you agree or disagree because you've now finally got all the information yeah. uh, in, in front of you. So I do think though that the offside part of VAR, outside of goal line technology, which is purely driven by technology, is either on or not, and it works. There's never any question about that other than I think there was one instance last season where the technology failed in a... Which game was it? Sure. Was it a Forest game? Forest-Bournemouth or something like that? Something like that. Was it, it was a two yeah. teams who probably mm. would have been fighting relegation. So What's that there? was a problem. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, there was, there Wasn't was it the- Sheffield United and Aston Villa when the ball went over the line? No, because Sheffield United went in the league last year. I think it was the year before. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Possibly so. That, that's how Aston Villa stayed up. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. It could be in the year before. No, you could be right. So yeah. So, but my point is, I guess with the technology, ninety nine point nine percent of the time works. Offside, we as fans have been led to believe that, regardless of the camera angle that we see, that the people in the VAR booth have got very highly tuned, calibrated cameras that are in the right positions at the right times to allow them to accurately draw the lines that we see on the screen. And when we see certain angles, and when we see certain decisions, we see this at the end. I think for me, it. It's a, it becomes a trust issue because now all of a sudden it's like, well, if you fucked up here, mm. how can we now fully trust that this technology is being used effectively, especially, as you say, when they didn't draw the lines in the first place? So it worries me, this this trend. It does worry me because we're not seeing evidence of improvement. Um, and I don't know if the reason we're not seeing improvement is down to competency, if it's because they're being blocked to make big changes by PJMOL, by FIFA, by the Premier League, whoever... Um, but something needs to change because this is heading in a in the wrong direction right now, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating fans, it's frustrating players, coaches, everybody. Um, what did you think of the uh, other decisions? Um, so yeah, the two red cards. Um, let's start with the Curtis Jones one. I'd love to get your guys' opinions on this because I've seen quite a mixed response to this. Mm. Um, Pete, what do you what do you think of this one? Um, if you're looking at it from how the ref saw it was a still walking up straight away. You're pretty sold that it's a red and you, your head's probably ticking going, right, how is this not a red? Um, I'm glad you said that, though, because I feel that that's, that's a problem. I don't think you should be showing a still straight away. Yeah. I feel like you should be showing the incident in real time in a different angle and then maybe slow it down if the, if the referee decides that's what he wants to see. But the fact that he was showed that still... Of Jones's foot making that impact on Basuma's leg, as you say, I think that made mm. his mind up before he'd even watched any of the footage. Yeah, I don't think there was any force in it or malicious intent or anything about that. His, his foot's just gone over the ball and mm. how he's positioned his foot to kick the ball away. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, some ref would interpret it that, some will interpret it the other way. It's just on the day. I think Jota was actually quite unlucky to be sent off because the first one wasn't even a yellow card. Yeah, I think the from what I've heard, I mean, I didn't. I saw the second one, which I think was a yellow card. Yeah, the first one, uh, I saw. I did see one angle where it actually didn't look like he hit him at all. No, he tripped. Himself um, it looked like Udogi tripped himself up. But then you look at another angle, and you think, oh, now I'm not so sure. 
But I think from from what I've read from uh, Gerald Dermott, does the old ref watch, he said that it was a totting up that he'd committed several fouls before that. And I think the referee had just basically yeah. this one it wasn't necessarily a yellow for that one incident. It was accumulation of of, of fouls. Um, so I have less of a problem with that one, although I still agree. I think it was harsh. I, I don't I really don't know where I stand with this Curtis Jones one because on the one hand you've got the whole are you endangering the safety of a player and you think well yes but not intentionally and then on the other side you think well hang on a minute you're, you're we're playing a contact sport at ridiculously high paced it is risky things are going to happen not every challenge is meant with malice and I feel like Curtis Jones here has got a red card because of physics. Because his foot can't go anywhere else. He's gone in. I know he's he's coming down onto the ball a little bit, but he's got the ball, and then physics has bounced his foot off the ball and into Basuma's leg. And I, for me, I just think that a yellow card would have been enough. I mean, I, arguably, not even anything. You could just say it was a pure accident. But then, again, the flip side to that is that sometimes some horrific challenges are accidents. Mm. And, you know, what if he had broken his leg or broken his ankle? So I really don't know where I stand with this. It's a real conundrum because it's not. it's not intentional it's completely accidental but that was a potential leg breaking incident mm. um dan what about you where yeah, do you stand on this straight red yeah you go straight red yeah i mean i know that he's not obviously gone in with malice and he's not tried to break his ankle but he has gone straight over the top of the ball and do you not think though that the, the going over the top of the ball is as a result of a ricochet off the ball no, rather not, than going up and over the no, ball not really because his, his foot's quite high anyway to um to have got over the top of the ball. Like yeah. His foot didn't need to... I don't know if he's tried to, like, trap it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because sometimes you see players yeah, kind of step try, over the ball. Yeah, to try and, like, stop the ball. But I don't know if he's tried to do that. But if he has, then he's got it all wrong. And yeah. he's followed through. And, and you look at the... And, I mean, the way his ankle... It's one of those where it, like, bends backwards. And he could have easily, like, snapped his ankle. Yeah. Um, so I think you've just got to look at it in terms of it is endangering an opponent, whether it is mental or not. Um, and Casemiro got sent off the same thing last year. Uh, now we know why you think it's a red. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm Consistency. Yeah. I um, you know, I don't. If Casemiro gets sent off for it, then I expect other players to get sent off for it as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember back to. Do you remember Gabriel Cisse um, when he had those couple of horrific leg breaks um, when he was playing for Liverpool? So there was one where he was basically just running down the wing. And a player was running with him, and then their legs got tangled, and his legs snapped. Mm. You know, there wasn't there wasn't even a tackle there; it was just a tangle of legs. Mm. And I think, well, is that you know, is that much different to an accidental ricochet of a ball of a foot over the top of a ball? Obviously, it is different, but the reality is, is that Basuma's come out of it okay, whereas Gabriel Cisse's had nine months on the sidelines with a broken leg, and yet that mm. guy, I'm fairly certain, didn't even get a yellow because yeah. they saw it as a pure accident. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know that's a long time ago and yeah. the game has moved on, I get it. But um, In terms of the second red card, I've, like a few people at work were saying, you know, it should never have been a red, like the first one's not a yellow, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if he got sent off for that first one, I'd completely agree, like, yeah, never in a million years. When you're on a yellow card, you don't go diving in no. like he did for that second yellow card. He's very silly. Yeah. So yeah. he deserved the red <coughs> for that second yellow card. But in terms of the first yellow card, I, I, I think that was harsh. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... Bowing away with that, unfortunately, we're probably going to talk about VR once or yeah, Lampard's in the studio tonight. Is Chelsea a two 0 up? Can you believe that Mudrick has scored a goal in the Premier League? It's taken him what? I don't know how many games it's been, but it's almost half a year, half a at least a half a season, isn't it? So um, yeah, Russia had invaded Ukraine at that point. 
Uh, <laughs> did they? How long has I got? It's been ages, isn't it? Yeah, year and a half. Has he scored for many goals? Mudrick. That's his first, that's his first that goal his for first Chelsea goal. Oh, right. in any competition. So, um, yeah, no, it's, um, we'll talk about VAR, unfortunately, probably at least once more tonight um, with one or two other things that went on at the weekend. Uh, but let's talk about the actual game itself and, and what this result means. Because going into this game, both teams in great form. Um, Potential goal of the season. Yes, uh, very it. much so. <laughs> um, so I think this is a result that will breathe a, a newfound level of confidence. I think Spurs were already confident going into this, but the fact that they've turned over Liverpool, all right, circumstances have been you know hugely put in their favour, but this is going to give them a huge lift now for the rest of the season. Um, I just need Brighton to beat Liverpool and then you uh, owe me money. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I was hoping you, I was hoping you forgot about that. I've <laughs> uh, watched Brighton at the weekend. On yeah, I should be all right as long as I keep a few um, Brighton players in my FPL team. It's a done deal. So yeah, I just I think Tottenham have just. I'm I'm genuinely surprised at how well things are going for them. I thought that I didn't think that Andrew was going to be a horrific appointment, but I thought it would take him a lot longer to get his his style across to the team. And what he's done in a fairly short space of time is 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 incredible with that team. Yeah, I mean, not to talk about United, but this is what really worries me as a United fan. I look at that top six at the moment and I don't see us breaking anywhere near mm. that lot. You know, with the likes of Tottenham now looking like a really good... I mean, they've already beaten us, but Tottenham, Arsenal, City, Liverpool, Newcastle starting to make way, Villa and Brighton um, both up there. I mean, that, that seven's already looking... Obviously, West Ham playing quite well this season. <laughs> He got there eventually. I was looking at him thinking, is he going to fucking yeah, say Yeah, no, I, I will admit West Ham are playing well. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's quite competitive up there, which is good. It's just a shame we're not there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a long way to go, yeah, but I you know, I can certainly understand why you'd be concerned as United mm. fan right now. Um, but but yeah, for Tottenham, Tottenham looking very good. It's just a shame that they've been knocked out of like the Carabao Cup already. <laughs> no, I know. You know, that that's the... It's just like me on LMA manager, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it, you're right. Carabao Cup would have represented a real opportunity mm. for Spurs this year to to carry on that momentum um, and take that forward. Are they in? They're not in Europe at all. Are they? Um, wow. they did they not get Euro- Europa? No, Spurs missed out. No, their conference league. Aren't... No. Oh no, they missed out. No, they eighth. They came eighth, didn't they? They missed out completely. So that might work in their favour in the same way that you know Chelsea not having Europe might galvanise the season if they can you know, keep scoring goals and maybe play a little bit more like they are tonight. Um, so, but yeah, I think if you're a Spurs fan right now, I think you are, you're really, really excited, loving what's going on. And, you know, if, if they can just add one or two more quality players to their team, maybe, you know, try and find that striker. You know, I'm not saying that Son can't be that striker continually, but I think he's going to need help. And I think Richarlison is not, still not it for me to be no, that No, there was a good assist. He was. I, I think he's improved. He has. He has improved. Since I, the start I of the think season. it's helped him that Son's gone as the number nine because it's taken the pressure off of him needing to score those goals. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Madison's been huge for them. Basuma's form has been outstanding. Yeah, Basuma's a different player. This he's, looks like that player that they bought from Brighton now. Mm. That Udogi as well. He looks decent. Yeah, he looks really good. Yeah. So uh, what, one thing I didn't realize actually, just slight. Uh, segue here that Matt Doherty had gone back to Wolves yeah I had no yeah. idea until I saw him come on I was like oh I thought he was still at Spurs <laughs> um, Pete what about Liverpool because this is a result that realistically 
um, they probably shouldn't feel too negative about, given how it all transpired. I mean, given the circumstances on the day, I, I would be a little bit pissed off um, if I was a Liverpool fan or a player in general. They've had the opportunities to win the game there, though. Even with nine men, they were still playing well. Yeah. Um, quite a few decent saves from Allison as well to keep them yeah. in the game, but, you know... Showing once again why he's such a good um, But I, st- I, th- I think that Liverpool could have done more, and I think we're probably giving Spurs a little bit too much credit in that game. Yes, they've got the win, but yeah. circumstances on nine men in the last minute, jammy goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still stand by the fact that this will, this is the best that Spurs will be. They're not going to get any better than this, mm. and they will drop off, not drastically. Do you think depth of squad might catch them a little bit? Um, if they get a couple I, of it, if I, they get an injury today, say like Son or Madison. Yeah, if they were to lose someone like Son, then for sure. Um, but again, with no Carabao Cup, no European football, they're going to be in pretty good steed. I just don't think that they're going to be able to make this click for the whole season. But we're talking hypotheticals for a season there. On the day, enjoyable game. If you were Liverpool, you'd feel disgusted by it. And if you were a Spurs <laughs> fan, you'd be absolutely loving it. Yeah, absolutely. Just wipe it off and wait until next week. Yeah, but I mean, there's no doubt about it. Liverpool are looking better. Um, I think that that Jabazlai, <laughs> I'm talking like Steve McLaren. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, he's looking better and better each week. I think Gravenbach will be a great signing for them going forward. McAllister has slotted in really well. So I think actually they've, after it's all been said and done, that midfield trio that they had to replace, they've actually done a really good job yeah. with it. Um, and one thing that like, was interesting, I was talking to somebody about Klopp um, at the weekend because we were talking about uh, Mourinho and um, his antics and what's going on at Roma at the moment. Now he's had a pretty poor start with Roma and et cetera, et cetera. And someone then mentioned about Klopp and apparently, you know, this sort of like uh, the seven-year cycle that he has. And I feel like in this day and age, if you're having a seven-year cycle, you're actually doing pretty well as a manager mm. to last that long because managers don't last that no. long normally these days. But I think it's just where he, he he sort of sticks with the team for so long. And then at some point, obviously, that team needs to be refreshed. Perhaps some of the players move on because they're a little bit too old, whatever. And... I think Klopp has done a really good job in navigating that. Obviously, they've had that bad season last year. They sort of recovered towards the end of the season quite nicely. Um, and now, I think they're set quite nicely again with a good front three. They've got some youth in there now. Um, I think Liverpool fans would be reasonably pleased with things at the moment. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yep. Absolutely, fucking loony, Bob. Right. We're going to move on. Probably the shock result of the weekend, other than the Wolves one. Villa, six. Brighton won. Uh, Brighton are becoming a little bit of a um, a Jekyll and Hyde team this season, aren't they? Mm. Can be absolutely outstanding and play off the pitch one minute and then absolutely stink mm. the fucking place up the next. Um, now, all jokes aside regarding FPL, what did we uh, what do we think of Villa in this game? Because they were just clinical, clinical weren't they? Yeah, what Watkins was word. incredible in this game. Um, Matty Cash is starting to do his bit as well now, which I'm loving. Yeah, He's reaping the rewards of my FPL for him. Um, I, I still don't know where I feel like the ceiling is for Villa because they too can be a little bit, you know, sometimes they can, you know, throw a little uh, cheeky bad result in there or whatever, but then they come back and do something like this. So where is the limit for Villa, do you think? Do you think they can just knock on the door of the, you know, the, the, the five and six, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one thing about Villa, their recruitment is really, really good. I mean, not necessarily just who they bring in but they always seem to be the first ones to make moves as well they usually 
bringing someone in as soon as the transfer window opens and and it's not one that you read in the newspapers either yeah it's just sort of done and dusted yeah somebody going oh we signed him oh did you oh okay yeah. fair enough um yeah it feels like a lot of teams could um could learn something mm. from how they do their transfer business uh diaby continues to be an amazing yeah, buy for them doesn't he mm. um watkins we you know we said about the hot and cold nature of him but i feel like this, the the continued service that he's going to get from this midfield mm. i'm not I, I would just wonder if we might see a different watkins this year now because you know he's getting that from diaby from um I'm trying to think some of their other midfielders. Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise, yeah. McGinn's some of the, in there. Yeah, McGinn's having a... I, I fucking hate him with a passion, but he is playing really <laughs> well at the moment. Um, I just I just wonder whether the, the... Especially with the run of fixtures they've got coming up, whether we might see a more consistent Watkins this year just mm. because he's going to get given more chances, he's going to get more creative for him, and he's got a manager that really properly believes in him. Um just yeah, maybe maybe the future is quite good for for Watkins. And you know, with a World Cup, sorry, a European Championships next year, you know, he's at the moment he's surely got to be second in line, isn't he? Southgate watched Southgate him as well. was there. He doesn't yeah. pick him. <laughs> Did you see the memes going yeah. around about Southgate? Paddy Power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've just been here and watched uh, an England striker score a hat trick. Just uh, make a note to play regular not, minutes. Play regular minutes. Yeah, just make a note to not pick him, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I is. Uh, is the is the one area of weakness would you say um, that central defence area? And obviously they've they've done really well in here, but I just look at that central defence. I just wonder whether there's room for improvement in there for them. Pau Torres, I think, looks good, but I don't know whether or not the depth might catch them. Is um, Carlos still injured? He, uh, I haven't seen him, so I'm assuming so. Mm. Tyron Ming's obviously out long term, um, so playing European football and we talked about it before the conference league it's a it's an odd league because yes the quality isn't always amazing again in terms of the teams you come up against but you do have to do an awful lot of fucking traveling mm. so some random places um and if you don't have a huge squad which Villa don't then uh, they might just get caught out a little bit mm. I might be being really unfair on them because they have had a great start of the season but I just wonder if, if there's an area that might catch them out maybe it's going to be in that area I think going forward I think they're going to score goals all season so they might just end up outscoring teams all year yeah. um, sorry go on I said yeah oh I thought no, you, you sounded like you took a breath while you were about to talk <laughs> just in a crew man um, Brighton I think, I think they just had an off day I mean they kept trying to play their way of football um, and watching them when they attacked, you know, which, like even Matoma, Matoma had a, an off day. Um, I thought Brighton played well, but Villa were just so clinical. Every time they attacked, they seemed to score. Mm. Um, defensively, Estupinian had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. <laughs> um, I'm surprised. I, d I don't know when he got taken off, but I'm surprised he made it to half time, let alone coming back out again at half time. I Joe was really I watched the highlights. Obviously, my vested interest with FPL, but he had the chance to score early on in the game. I think mm. maybe it was either nil nil or one nil. Then things started to go wrong for Brighton, and then of course when you're down, you're really down. And that the own goal was so unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew so little about it; he just didn't sort his feet out. There was um, a moment where like the ball was on the edge of their area, but it was in the air. And then he just wipes out the player. He's nowhere near the ball. It's like, it's just so erratic. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their results. I mean, obviously they got beat by um, Chelsea in the Carabao Cup this week. I think they'll be very disappointed with that. Yeah, um, I was very disappointed. Fucked up my act. <laughs> mm. I felt like uh, you know Brighton, a little bit like Spurs, could have really targeted um, that Carabao Cup this year. Um, we've got. Obviously, that 6-1, you had the strange uh, West Ham result where we just played them on the counter and, mm. and, and beat them uh, comfortably in the end. They lost in that weird game against AEK Athens at yeah. home. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. I thought they would be, I thought they would win that one. So they have been a little bit hot and cold this year, but they do still find themselves in, in a good spot. I mean, they'd still be you know, sixth in the league. They? Uh, they did beat Newcastle, yeah. Um, so I think they'll be still very um, content. But, I mean, that goals conceded column is a problem. They'd be joint top, wouldn't they, if they actually won that game? Uh, they would. They, but the, I think the the biggest concern of Ivy as a Brighton fan is that defence. They conceded fourteen goals in seven games. I know they've scored nineteen, and which has helped them get to where they are. But if they do want to get into Europe again next season via a finishing place in the Premier League, you cannot be conceding two goals a game. Have you seen how many goals they've scored under Deserby? It's mad, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't Pep the only one that they've scored more? Man City have scored more. It was his thirty-eighth game, and they've scored like one hundred and sixty-four goals or something. Can't be that many. Fuck me. It that's that's like an average that. of over it was, it was, five a game. It was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was over a hundred. Yeah, it was four four goals a game on average. They've scored what? Yeah. Bloody hell! Is that all competitions? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I just heard that I was I watched the game and I just remember the commentator saying. On average, they've scored four goals a game. Holy shit! That's mm. that does that seems too high. One hundred and twenty goals in thirty odd games. Yeah. That's but madness. it's funny because I remember when we first started the pod and where Brighton were. The one thing we always said about them was they didn't score enough goals. They didn't yeah. have a striker. And you look at them now. Yeah, <laughs> full reverse. <laughs> Absolute incredible turnaround. Um, Deserby as well in talks for the Real Madrid job. Really? Is he really? Yeah. Why is uh, has Carlo been sacked? He's not been sacked. They're looking at replacements, and they're the, he's the top of the list. I, I mean, they might be looking over the other shoulder given that result. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe this was uh, the Brighton players thinking, Real Madrid, I don't mm, fucking yeah. think so. You're, still, <laughs> you're staying here, pal. Um, I mean, that would be an amazing opportunity for Deserby. I mean, if I'm Brighton, I'd be worried because, you know, they've they obviously they've done really well with Potter. They did really well again to replace him with Deserby. They've then got to try and do it again. They've got to try and find another manager to come in with the same ethos. Problem. That's what I mean about clubs like Brighton and stuff. Like you get all these players in, they you know, they play unreal, like Ferguson and stuff, and then you get clubs start to like swim around them and, and it's hard to try and keep them all and say, stay at Brighton when you've got the likes of Real Madrid and Clubs like that. I mean, I think that whilst Brighton fans would be absolutely gutted, I don't know if there'd be too many Brighton fans that would begrudge Deserby going to a club like Real Madrid. If if Real Madrid come calling, I don't really care who you are, you're probably going to say yes. Um, But... uh, no, I think um, Brighton could be be this season's Leeds United. You remember Leeds when they first came Mm. up where they were just... Couldn't couldn't stop conceding. We couldn't mm. stop scoring at the same time. I think we could see a little bit of them just with a little bit more, uh, a bit more nous than that Leeds team had, obviously, with some of the games that they played. But um, yeah, exciting times for them. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the other shock result this weekend: Wolves two, Man City one. Um, anything to read into this at all? I know some of the papers have been trying to <laughs> yeah, make it. Up. I sent that thing on the group chat, didn't I? Like our city. 
having problems or some shit like that. Like they've won every single game and they lose to Wolves and all of a sudden they're having problems. Like what was the, did they? I mean, did you read the, the the article? Did they say what they were referring to specifically? No, I was just flicking through and I saw it and it just made me laugh. But I didn't. It was a video and I didn't watch the video. Mm. But two losses on the bounce: Newcastle and Wolves. Mm. Do they? Bells, eh? <laughs> Do you think that so? Because I, when the the picture that you sent showed a picture of Harland. Yeah. Do you think it's related to him again? Maybe Just because of like how yeah, because he scored in every single game. Virgil yeah. Van Dorsen um, pocketed him yeah. at the weekend. I think his XG was zero point zero six. He had one shot yeah, on goal, which was a high attempt. Yeah, it was a scuffed effort on goal. And he, yeah, so he he was that, very much nullified. He's and that that is a. We come back to this point. We mention it what once every few months. If you can cancel out Haaland, City don't really have much there in the attacking sense now. I mean, Alvarez's free kick was unstoppable. You know, no one's saving that. Yeah, but City didn't really cause them many issues. They had a lot of the possession. They had a few shots on target, like um, Walker's one, but nothing really. I think they had twenty six shots towards three. Do they really? Do you, do you think that um, Man City have almost subconsciously become too reliant on Haaland? No, no, I don't. I don't think they have. It's just when when a team comes with a a game plan and it works on the occasion. I guess I don't know. You probably just fall into you know when you're like City that they, they I don't know if they find it easy, but they <laughs> almost expect to just beat every team that they play. And then everyone and again, they sort of get a slap in the face, I think. And I feel sorry for whoever's got to play them next. <laughs> yeah, who is who are they playing next? Because that is that is a thing that City mm. historically do. Is whoever they play? Oh, it's Arsenal. <laughs> that would be good. Um, wow, that I mean, that's just put a little bit yeah. of extra fire in the belly for that game, isn't it? At the Emirates, that's going to be one to watch next week. Um, it's funny you say that. You know, if you think back to like PSG and stuff, they, that often happens out mm. there where. You you literally in this country obviously you hear nothing about them from you know we don't really care I guess yeah. and then all of a sudden they lose a game and all of a sudden it's everywhere isn't it yeah, yeah PSG beaten by crisis. by lowly yeah. Nice or whoever it may be um, and maybe it's the same here maybe Man City have reached such a um, a point now in their dominance that when they do lose a game closely even though they dominated the ball etc all of a sudden it's a big story it's a big mm. thing but realistically they could turn around next week. They could easily go to Arsenal and beat them three yeah. nil if they if they if they really yeah. up for it like we saw them do last year. So, um, but for Wolves though, let's not make any bones about this. This is a fucking massive result yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, and for and for Gary O'Neill, probably I think he described it as his best managerial moment so far. Um, we look at the the, the table. Their first win, uh, second win of the season. Um, I'm trying to just try. I was just about to see they who it was the uh, who they beat. Who did they beat? Um, 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 Everton earlier on in the season, third game in. Um, so yes, uh, to answer your question, no, they're two points behind United. Um, so you're okay, but Wolves. When I I watched quite a lot of that game, I watched certainly um, in the in the slightly more in depth highlights because I was intrigued to see how Wolves played that, mm. and I was actually really impressed with Wolves because they weren't just content with trying to play on the break. Obviously, that you know they did play on the break a little bit, and I thought Neto was outstanding in that game. His pace, by the way. He's yeah, fucking rapid, rapid, isn't he? Great goal. Yeah. Um, and I feel quite um, optimistic about Wolves, more than I did previously, because they were actually attempting to play keep ball and good football mm. against Man City. Obviously, it didn't work all the time. They, you know, they would lose the ball. But the very fact they were brave enough to try it um, and sort of 
a little bit go toe to toe with City. I thought, you know, credit to them. I thought that was a a brave approach from Gary O'Neill. Too far, I think they've. I don't think they've played that badly this season. I think they've just been their worst, own worst enemy. Like against us, they should have beaten us comfortably. Mm. They just couldn't score a goal. Um, and I've watched a couple of their games where they look quite good, and then they go through on goal, and they, they just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, whereas this time, obviously, they're a bit more. They're three shots scored two goals. So mm. yeah, I, I mean, I look at the goal scored column. It's obviously it's not amazing. They've scored eight goals in seven games. It's by no means the worst in the division, but they are going to need to try and find a way. Now, you know, Fabio Silva up front, they've got, um, uh, who's it? It's Cunha, isn't Cunha, it? Cunha, yeah. um, Who, you know, has shown flashes of, of brilliance in the past, but they are going to need to find somebody who can bang goals in for mm. them. Because if they can, I actually think Gary O'Neill, I think he's doing a good job there. I think he's just yeah. needs that... <gasps> Excuse me, just needs that striker to try and put the ball in the back of the net. He should have never been smacked. Yeah, as I say, I thought he'd done a right at Bournemouth, to be fair. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think if I'm a Wolves fan, I, I'm I'm not obviously happy with the situation because they have had a slow start to the season, four losses in their first seven games. Um, but I feel like they will be at least reasonably content when they look at the way their team is playing, that they're fighting, they're working hard, mm. they're trying to do the right things. And, and ultimately, they've just been a bit unlucky in a few of their games, as you say. So, and to be fair, they did lose their manager, like, wasn't it a couple of days before the season started? Yeah, yeah it was. Um, so, you, um, Just going back to City as well, do you see a difference in the way they approach games without Rodri? Because obviously they haven't got De Bruyne. They haven't got Rodri now. Um, I found it interesting that Calvin Phillips didn't start. Yeah. Um, because no Rodri, no De Bruyne. You would think, and it, with respect to Wolves, that was a game that obviously City would have been very much expected to win. Uh, to win. Funny that uh, Nunes left Wolves to go to City. Yeah, it? I know he was. It was a real <laughs> fucking stink from the fans, wasn't he? After the way he left. Um. So yeah, I found it interesting that he still didn't trust uh Calvin Phillips from the off and give him an, a real opportunity. The opportunity's presented itself. You've got no Rodri for, was it one or three games, whatever it is. No De Bruyne at the moment. Um, so why not throw Phillips I in from the start? I don't think him whatsoever. I mean, he came out and said that it failed Phillips not that long ago. Which, yeah, well, what did he say about him? He said he's just a really nice yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> um, which makes me think he's got no confidence in him as a footballer whatsoever. No. And he'll just play him if he sort of has to and, and when he can afford to rather than when he needs to. Mm. Yeah, I feel a bit for him because I feel like you know Leeds that he had the world at his feet there at one point, didn't he? He was yeah. he was in the England he was an England regular. Everyone was ranting and raving about him, and then obviously he gets the move to to City, and it's just not worked out. And I feel like for his own career, he needs to move on reasonably quickly and get back to a team where he's playing week in week out in a system that's a bit more suited to him. It doesn't mean he can't still be an amazing player. Not every player is going to go to Pep Guardiola and be a success because of mm. the nature of what he is and what he demands of his players. So yeah, I feel like. Um, you know he could. I think he could still find a place in a in a top ten side. Maybe someone like Newcastle would be a good fit for Calvin Phillips potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if they continue their upward trajectory, maybe maybe Spurs or or a Villa, someone like that. I think he. I think he could be a top eight player mm-hmm. easily. Um, so yeah, be be interesting to uh, to see what that happens. Um, but back to your original point, Rodri is very key to them. Yeah. Um, you know everything goes through him I've described him before as a bit of a Rolls Royce midfielder just because he's just so smooth and so calm on the ball Um, and there definitely was a noticeable difference in that game with him not there Um, so is it one game or three games is he missing 
straight red, wasn't it? And it was for, technically for violent conduct, which I think uh, is yeah, a, potentially yeah, a three-match. Three yeah. Um, so yeah, they're gonna miss him. Um, you know, not having him for Arsenal is massive. Mm. Um, that's that's yeah. a big miss, and that could be quite key because you know Rodri against Declan Rice in that midfield park was actually something I was quite looking forward to seeing. Mm. You know, could Rice really make that step up in, in, in that sort of game against that sort of opposition? So it's a shame we maybe won't get to see that particular battle until later in the season when they play each other again. Um, but yeah, absolutely uh, one that. Uh, Absolutely cannot be missed. Um, did we? Which day did I say that was on? Who did you see Edge in that? City or Four o'clock on Sunday. Um, I'm not so sure. Um, I mean, you you know you you're always drawn to Man City just because they're a machine and they always find ways. I don't think. Are we talking about Arsenal or not? No. Uh, uh, no. I don't think City have been. Sorry, not City. I don't think Arsenal have been that great so far this season. No. And I don't know if you watched... I assume you did watch the Arsenal-Bournemouth game. Bournemouth were fucking dreadful. Yeah, they were. And like the two penalties they gave away was like Sunday League. Bournemouth players just going flying in for <laughs> no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I don't think that 4-0 necessarily... You sort of look at it and think, oh, Arsenal season's up and running. Yeah. I think Bournemouth just had an absolute mare. Yeah, oh, is it about to be three 0 Chelsea? Good save. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there's there's still there's for some reason it feels like there's a slight imbalance in that team at the moment because they're trying to play Jesus out on the left. Mm. They, they, he, you know, in fairness to Arteta, he's he's giving Enketia every chance to prove that he can kind of lead the line for for mm. Arsenal. Um, Saka obviously and Odegaard are still their kind of two main talisman. Um, but there's just, I don't know what it is. There's just something at Arsenal that hasn't quite clicked into gear. And I've, I don't know what that goal for Havertz will do. You know, they've obviously given him that penalty for a very specific and obvious <laughs> reason, <laughs> just to try and get his confidence up by at least, you know, having that feeling of scoring <laughs> a goal. That. Oh, well, his career would be done. <laughs> you know, if if in those situations, we've seen it before with other players where that's happened and, yeah. they've, and they've missed. But that really would have been a kick in the gut yeah. for, for Havertz. So I'm glad that he, um, uh, that he did score it but I don't know if that's going to give him the boost that maybe Arsenal wanted to give him you know scoring a penalty is one thing (laughs) bollocks that's my 15 points gone (laughs) because Brozier's got himself injured Um, so yeah I I think that Arsenal haven't clicked in the top gear yet this is an opportunity for them to to fight because if you can't get yourself up for a game like this then you're in serious trouble so maybe we'll see Arsenal come to the party in this one um Either way, I think this is a this is an unmissable game I, Sunday afternoon. I reckon they they let Havertz have that penalty. I know obviously we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I reckon they only gave him that penalty just to avoid that 007 stat. You reckon seventh, seventh game of the season, no goals, no assists, <laughs> Sancho <laughs> and Mudrick as well. Now neither of them can be 007. Mm. Well, I mean, regardless of the uh, of the intentions behind it, obviously he did score it. It was actually quite a well taken penalty, um, but I don't know if it's going to have the the benefit that they want. It's certainly not going to suddenly make Arteta go right. Well, you know, he can start next week now. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move on then, uh, Dan. I hate to do it to you, but we are going to talk United Palace. Now, you warned me earlier on that I'm going to have to stop you from falling asleep talking yeah. about United. Um, I don't even know how to word this anymore because I feel like we're just treading over old ground. But when you back to a point we made earlier about Postacoglu, he's come in, and I appreciate that from a board level point perspective, there was a great deal of difference between United and Spurs. Mm. But on the pitch, 
when you see what Postacoglu's done in a very short, short space of time with that group of players, does it raise question marks in your mind about Ten Hag and his abilities within that United squad? Um, Do you think he should be doing more given how long he's been there now? Uh, and uh, I'm being very open with yeah, these questions, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because he's, there's still a lot of players there and especially in the first team that aren't his players. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I think I've got... I've, I have a lot of respect for Ten Hag. I think he's had to deal with so much shit since he's been in the club with the whole Cristiano Ronaldo thing, the Harry Maguire thing, um, Greenwood situation, Anthony. Sancho now. Sancho. He's had so much to deal with that isn't even to do with like the sort of football side of things. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm nowhere near being Ten Hag out at all. I just... Uh, my, my only criticism would be... I don't really know what our style of play is supposed to be. Yeah, I was I've, I've watched like Brighton and Villa and, and a lot of the other teams and, and I can see how they're trying to play. Is it a lack of real identity, do you think? Yeah, like, I mean, obviously he's... I think I know what he's trying to do. It's just, you know, this is his second season. I feel like we should start to see it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, you know, Martinez is now out for a while. We got three left backs. All of them are injured. <laughs> we just brought in Amrabat to play alongside Casemiro, and we're playing him at left back. So it's it's difficult, like. But at the same time, we shouldn't really be losing at home to Crystal Palace. No offense to Palace. No. Beat them in the Carabao. Yeah, well. uh, three nil. No, I know, but <laughs> I would trade that Carabao Cup oh. place for <laughs> three points as well. That's the annoying thing. Um, I just I don't know. I was I was thinking about it earlier, like when I saw Wolves were beating City, that made me go like, oh, wow. When I saw Palace were beating United, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you just you know expected I mean? it. Yeah, like, it just doesn't phase me anymore. Doesn't surprise you. No, and, and it, it really should. Like, it saddens me that we're at that stage with United. I think we had one, well, obviously we had last season where it gave us a little bit of false hope. Um, and I saw more videos because it was pissing it down during the United game of, the roof leaking and this fan was like filming his like trousers just getting soaked by the roof. <laughs> and I just I just look at the state of the club. And do, I think do you think that a... that was a little like a um uh like a snapshot of the kind of general state yeah, of United right is. now? Like, it literally is like the whole club's just a shambles. Um, change clubs? Huh? Still, you're still young. Still change clubs. I tell you what, man. I'm envious that you support Portsmouth. You don't have to fucking talk about them every single week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'd probably be loving talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, in the world, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, and one thing that does, I will criticise Ten Hag on is the fact that he's almost become a little bit like Ollie in terms of it looks like he's starting to favour players. Mm-hmm. Like Rashford's been dog shit this season and, yeah, and he, he seems to play 90 minutes in every single game. I mean, he did come off in the end, but... I would drop him to be honest because I play guy naturally. Yeah, I would. Um, I just watch it. He tries, you know, he had like four players in front of him, and he he, he takes past two and then runs into the other two. And Hart Hoyland's there, like with his arms outstretched, asking for the ball. And he just seems to be trying to do it all on his own at the moment. I I don't know if that's because he pretty much had to take it all on his shoulders last season. Mm. But yeah, I just I just don't see us improving at all. And I think I said on the pod last week I can see us getting smashed a couple of games this season by likes of Liverpool and City. And I think we will. But 
it, I mean, every game we've won this year, we've won three games and every game's been 1-0, mm. which mm. at the moment means if we concede a goal, we're not going to win. No, uh, it, it, it's, it is concerning. I mean, you look at the um, the goal score tally. I think we scored seven and seven. You scored seven goals, yeah. It's, it's among the... Uh, the worst in the league and the top scorers Brighton with 19 that's 12 more goals that's 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 a big differential to have at this mm. stage of the season um, Gary Neville obviously talks a lot about the Glazers and he effectively is pinning the vast majority of the blame at their feet do you do you think that let's say for example the club is sold I don't know next week and it changes how many Glazers are no longer there do you genuinely think that you would see a fairly big turnaround on the pitch? Because for me, at least, when I and I used this um, this example before, there are massive differences between, between West Ham and Man United in terms of ownership. But three or four seasons ago, just before David Moyes came in, I think we had, I think Pellegrini was, I think Moyes was actually there at the time. I think he'd just come in uh, for his first spell. And we had protests on the pitch. We had the the guy who came in and, and held up the corner flag, it was some kind of symbolic gesture that had a historical meaning within West Ham. Everybody hated the owners. Quite a lot of them still do. They're obviously placated at the moment because things are going reasonably well for us over the last four or five years. Um, but once we got it together on the pitch, there was clearly, there, was a, there wasn't this kind of, um, I know it's very obvious to say, but when things go well on the pitch, it does stop things from going well in the boardroom. But that just proves that whatever goes on in the boardroom doesn't necessarily feed down onto the pitch on the players if the players and the manager are in the right frame of mind and are kind of pushing in the right direction. So do you think that Ten Hag, not saying that he is using this as an excuse, but do you think that he needs to be doing more regardless of what's going on above him? I don't know. I, I, my finger pointing at the board would be, why is Jaden Sancho on 300 grand a week? That can't be Ten Hag's decision. Well, I mean, obviously he wasn't a Ten yeah, Hag yeah. player, but, you know, why... Is Rashford on two hundred and fifty grand or three hundred grand a week? Why was De Gea on nearly three hundred grand? Why are all these players on three hundred grand a week? Harry Maguire two hundred and fifty. You can't get rid of any of them. Mm. And it, and I look at us, and then I look at Chelsea, and we're quite because a lot of people say, oh, you know, the Glazers, you know, United spend loads of money, blah blah blah. It's like yeah, but so did Chelsea, and look where they are. And this isn't me trying to dig out at Chelsea, but. Look at their owner. He spends a lot of money, but he doesn't do it in the right way. Yeah. You look at someone like Newcastle and City, they spend their money like really well. Yeah. They don't necessarily splash loads of cash. I know they obviously do they City nowadays have got a decent squad, so they just tend to buy like one or two players if needs be. But but the way they've done it, they they buy smart and they buy the right players. We go yeah, I mean well, obviously I moan every season about our transfer strategy, but Mason Mount. <laughs> A player that had one year left on his contract, we give him, we spend sixty million on him, mm. and then God knows how much money he's on. Probably on like two hundred grand a week, probably more than that. And and he's wank, isn't he? Really? <laughs> and do you know what I mean? Our squad. I mean, I'd hate to see the wage of each of our squad members, but it's it's probably talking millions from from the sort of starting eleven, and then you look at a team like Newcastle who are doing things the right way. I mean, everyone thought that. You know, they were going to be putting bids in for Neymar and Mbappe and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And they start buying players like Anthony Gordon and, and and those sort of players. And we just, we never seem to go, we always go for the really obvious transfers that... Shirt sellers. Yeah, exactly. And, and we just splash tons of money. It doesn't matter 
you know, we'll, we'll spend eighty million on a, a thirty million pound player, mm. um, and we'll give him two hundred and fifty grand a week, and a four year contract. And it, and like Anthony, I mean, I, I kind of like Anthony, but we spent seventy two million on him. He's probably on two hundred grand more a week. Or was that in euros? Uh, yeah, euros is more, but yeah, okay. in pounds it was seventy two million. And he's he's not really done anything. And I know that one probably was a Ten Hag signing, um, but I just every time every single transfer window I, I sort of get a bit hopeful because we get linked with all these different players, and then you know we we take ages to do it. You get Villa signing decent players on the first day of the window. We seem to wait until transfer deadline day, and then we'll spend eighty million on our fifth choice signing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I don't know really. I just get I get bored of it all. Is this have you have you pulled up their wage? Yeah, yeah. the week, weekly with Hoyland eighty five thousand a week. Mm. Okay, it's not lower week. than I expected. Yeah, um, McTominay sixty thousand, Garnacho fifty thousand. Well, these are young players who come yeah. through, so you mm. can understand why they're lower. Then we get lower. to thirty one year old Casemiro three hundred and fifty thousand, yeah, yeah. Varane three forty, Rashford three hundred, Martial. Two fifty. How is Martial? Martial's agent deserves a fucking knighthood for getting that for getting him two hundred fifty k a week. Two fifty. He's he's up there. He's on one hundred eighty nine nine hundred and four. Very specific. <laughs> he is the only one that is that specific, other than Diallo, which he's on loan now. <clears throat> No, he's at the club. He's injured at the moment. Yeah. I get. I mean, just to, to sort of finish the point on United, but I do, I do look at that squad, that squad of players, and think, well, one, I think there, there's, there should be more out of that squad than what mm-hmm. we're currently getting. As 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 bad as things have been, you look at individual players there. It's not a horrific squad. That is a squad that should easily be pushing for top six minimum. Um, However, there is also a big mismatch. There is also a a lot of players in there who are, <clears throat> as you said, overpaid. And I just worry that all the while this takeover thing, this is where the takeover does come in, mm. in that all the while the Glazers are there, there is no trust or no belief in anybody involved with that club that they're going to be able to change the way they do things and actually sort this problem out. And it sort of feels like actually you're going to have years potentially if this doesn't get solved of the same strategy and the same kind of, like, uh, I don't even know what it's, it's papering over the cracks, isn't it? Um, and the cracks are getting larger each time you do it. Mm. And sooner or later, it's going to come crashing down. And I just worry what will happen at that point. This is a club that's historically so massive, certainly in the last, you know, 20 odd years, you know, 20 and a bit years or whatever. What, how has it come to this? You've got a stadium that's falling apart. You've got training facilities that are outdated. You've got a world-class player like Ronaldo openly criticising your club in public. Mm. Um, I, I think what kind of... is almost like a... Not a blessing in disguise. What's the opposite of a blessing in disguise? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I think us doing really well last season in terms of winning the Carabao Oh, he's Cup. pulling the wall over people's eyes almost and I, setting a false expectations. No, I think the Glazers almost decided they wanted to keep the club or get more money out of the club because of how well we done last I season, see. which is why stock it's price. dragged on so yeah. long this season. They were hoping the stock price would go up and yeah. they sell it for more. Yeah. And actually, it's had the opposite Crash, effect because yeah. it's gone through the fucking floor. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I mean, we'll, obviously, we'll finish up talking about you. Know, I don't want to prolong your pain any longer, but um, I, I worry for you on this podcast, Dan, because I don't think this is going to be the last no, time we're having similar I mean, conversations. We've got Brentford next and Brentford are in poor form, but mm. like I was... 
I've, well, I was going to say I was joking about keeping Mbomo, but I really wasn't joking because I can see him scoring and turning his form around against us because we just don't... Every game, we just don't look like we're up for it at all. Um, there's a lot of walking around and... Um, yeah, it just looks like Sunday league football, really. Mm, it, it does look like players are uh, somewhat going through the motions yeah. um, at, the, at the club, which is a, which is a real shame um, because, there's, there's, as I say, there's some good young players in there. I like Garnacho. Mm. Um, I'd like to see Diallo get more of a go as well. Mm. He was even brilliant yeah, last year. He's injured at the moment, though, to be fair. Oh, okay. um, Mejbri looks quite good. Yeah, and Palestri, yeah. I've been quite mm. happy with. But that's the thing. I look at our bench each game and it looks it looks like our sort of reserve team like in terms of youth team. Mm. Um, I mean, Not have, always a bad thing if they're no, talented no, it's youngsters. Good. Yeah, it's good that they are getting this, this game time, for sure. Um, but, I mean... I think it was the Bayern Munich game. We had like one or two players come on that I'd never even heard of. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Um, I'm not wasn't planning on talking too much about Palace because Palace are just kind of doing exactly what we thought they would do this season. I mean, you've only got to look at their last six games and it's symmetrical. It's lost, drawn, win, lost, drawn, win, mm-hmm. which is a kind of microcosm of exactly what we expected Crystal Palace to do this season. Brilliant win for them, though. You know. As, as much as we've talked about the United and their problems there, going to Old Trafford and getting a win is still seen as a scalp and it's still seen as a big result despite United's problems. Um, so, yeah, huge win for them, big win for them. Uh, let's move on and talk about another big, big win and it's Luton's first win in the Premier League. Um, Pete, what did, you, uh, what did you make of this one? Was this a deserved win? Do you think this is representative um, of further problems for Everton after that? You know, they had a really good performance against Brentford last yeah. week. And now they turn up and lose at home to Luton. <laughs> and the cup as well. They won their cup, didn't they? Who, Everton? Yeah. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, didn't they beat... Um, beat another Premier League. Wasn't it Villa? Didn't they beat Villa like 2 or 3 yeah. nil or something? Yeah, it might have been, yeah. Um, yeah, no, great great points for Luton. Um, again, quite an even game where it really could have gone either way. Um, but I'm happy that Luton actually is starting to uh, get the ball down and play some football. Um, do, do you think that there is a genuine attempt here to sort of change their style a little bit well I mean yeah they, I think they knew they had to especially when they come to teams like Everton and Wolves and they're, they're going to be looking for points there because that's the make or break really with relegation and survival um, likewise with Everton they had plenty of chances in the game to obviously not go one up Luton controlled it quite early on but they had plenty of opportunities to to get back into the game and get a bit home and dry um but nothing really seemed to go in their favor yeah i must admit i was very surprised with everton's lack of uh set piece uh control you know i think it was highlighted on match the day that they were effectively doing the same thing mm. on every corner and i think they had three attempts at uh, or good chances on goal before Lockyer scored his. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure Morris is one. Uh, I'm trying to remember the goal that he scored. Was that from a corner as well? I can't remember. I can't remember. Well, I'm pretty sure it came from like a stupid foul from Tarkovsky and like. Oh, it was a free kick that came in, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I like. I, I can't remember who it was that one slid in. It was like Anana or something. Slit, not Anana. What's his face? Um, Decore. No, other one. Swiss. Is it Anana? Do they have an Anana? Or you, or you, they've got an Anana, yeah. Yeah, Anana. Pretty sure he slid in and then Tarkovsky pushed Morris over Anana. Right, okay. And then they, I'm pretty sure they scored from that free kick. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, 
it's it's an amazing state. Everton have lost their opening ho- uh, four home games of a league season for the, only the second time in their history um, since fifty eight fifty nine. Not looking good for Everton at all. I really, I, I, we did say last week, you know, this Brentford result might be a bit of a flash in the pan, and they're going to have to make sure that they prove that it's not. And I think this result now has just thrown. If they if they had beaten Luton and beaten them well, I think a lot of people would be like, okay, Everton have got themselves in. Confidence would have been a lot higher within the Everton squad. Calvert-Lewin and Fenestrum, I think that's three goals now in three games. Well, that's what I mean. They, even they though they're on the losing side. They beat Brentford, then they beat Villa at Villa. I thought that would have sort of been a bit of momentum to go into this game, get another three points. I don't think it was at Villa, was it? Yeah, it was at Villa. Oh, it was. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, huge win for them yeah. in the midweek. So, yeah, Calvert-Lewin scoring goals is at least a big positive to, to carry mm. on. If they can keep him fit... If he can carry on scoring goals, he might just. Tell you what, be though, um, Dwight McNeil nearly scored a hell of a goal. Yeah, didn't he just? <laughs> <laughs> What's a goal that would have yeah. been? Um, yeah, I think Luton. I there's a. I think everyone's got a bit of a soft spot for Luton, haven't they? Because of the sort of the story surrounding Luton getting into the league, such a such a small side to be in the Premier League that they're almost like that puppy dog. You know, everyone expects mm. them to kind of be the. Uh, the small kid in the on the in the playground sort of thing, but at the same time you have this sort of slight um slight soft spot for them that you don't want to see them getting beaten up every week. I don't know, it's not just Lou I I don't like it when the new teams come up and then they're just it automatically go back down. Like I kind of like a refresh of teams to keep it interesting and, and different probably a bit weird, but different kits and stuff like that. <laughs> I know what you mean. Different yeah. different grounds, yeah, different yeah. sets of and fans. Different players yeah. and stuff. It's a bit boring when it's the same teams yo-yoing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see. And it keeps a bit more interesting when these sort of results happen. And it, obviously, last season was really good in terms of the fact there were like eight teams battling relegation for so long. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, as we got closer, it, it started to dwindle a little bit. But... Mm-hmm the quality of the championships going up a hell of a lot now as well. Mm. So we are starting to see a few of these Premier League sides, not naming any Southampton, struggling <laughs> in the championship. Um, and a lot of teams that are building up from League Two, League One, like Luton did, and going into the championship and not just coming straight back down. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we you had the stat last year, or the question in your quiz last, uh, last week, I think, about the fact that all three teams stayed up last year yeah i just wonder if we're actually maybe that may be the, the start of a bit of a trend now in that these teams coming up are not just going to be the uh, the cannon fodder that we perhaps think, perceive they're going to be i think the fact that uh the pull on the premier league and the the quality of the players that went down last season in like the leicester's team and um that does have something to do with it now because historically you'd see a lot of those players go down spend a season or so in the championship yep. and then possibly come back up whereas now they're getting immediately smacked, snatched so. yeah yeah. I mean look mate no bones I still believe Luton will go down this year and I still yeah. believe Sheffield yeah. United will go down and I still think Burnley could be in big trouble despite what we said earlier in the season about where they could be we'll talk about them next um, but I you know I, what I don't want to see as we talked about in the season is Luton go down without without a fight mm. I'd like to see them go go down if they're, if they're going to go down which is how I believe they will do I want to see them go down swinging I don't want to see them go down with a whimper so and obviously they've got a big match midweek in their double header obviously they didn't have the Burnley game early in the season while their ground was having some work done that game is midweek massive game for both teams you know Luton getting their first win Burnley still yet to win a game their second bottom now um and and we'll talk about them now. Newcastle two Burnley nil. Um, 
look, Burnley have had some really, really tough fixtures. Their fixture run, I mean, it's literally, again, LMA, it's yeah, the gauntlet yeah, that, we, that one of us always seems to get. I mean, let's just call some out their can, fixtures. Some can't. <laughs> They've had Man City, Villa, uh, Spurs, Forest, United, and Newcastle. So outside of Forest, they have played arguably a top eight team every single week. Mm. Um, so I think that we still have to reserve a little bit of judgment on Burnley for when they play teams like Luton. The problem is, where is their confidence level at? Because it doesn't matter who you play, if you keep losing, your confidence levels will dwindle. So it's a shame that we didn't get to see the Luton versus Burnley at the time it was originally meant to happen. I think it was second game of the season. Yeah, it was. Because we may have seen a very different game from both teams um, at that stage of the season so I don't know but uh, Pete you know obviously you you know maybe saw a bit more of Burnley last year um, are you still expecting a, a, a more from Burnley this season yeah 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 I'm not they're, they're very much on the fence of like I explained at the end of the last season of how they were going to cope financially um, it doesn't appear to be an issue they've played a lot of the heavy hitters this season, but they've not really been cut adrift. No, from many of them, you know, it's, it's been like the odd goal or two. Apart from the uh, Spurs game, yeah, um, they've they've. You would say they've been in most of the games. They've not been blown away by anybody. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they've been the better side by any means against any of them, um, other than the, the Forest game. But yeah, I think they they'll be all right. We we'll give them another like five or ten games just to try and actually understand whereabouts they are actually going to be in this league yeah I mean they're, they're they're just about to come into a very important run of games they've got Luton midweek then they've got Chelsea at the weekend at home I appreciate that Chelsea have got the win tonight and you know jury's out if they've turned a corner or not but you know it's still going to be a tough game regardless there's certainly one they can target mm. something from and then they've got Brentford Bournemouth Everton Palace before um, Arsenal and West Ham so they've got a little run of games where Picking up at least maybe two wins from that is 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 essential. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But maybe then we can have a conversation about Burnley as to what we're going to expect from them um, for the rest of the season. Um, I deliberately didn't talk much about VAR after the, the talk earlier in the uh, in the game, but there have been some other calls in the uh, in the Premier League this weekend. Um, no, I think there was one in the in the Brentford Forest game that was a, that was a tight call. I think it was an offside call for the goal. Um, but honestly, I just decided not to talk about it because frankly, <laughs> I can't be asked. Um, so yes, we will uh, we will begin then to wrap up the show, and we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man! Uh, so Ollie Watkins is the first player to score two hat tricks in a single season in all competitions for Villa. Since who? I've got a name in mind, but I I can I remember right. seeing the stat, but I can't remember the name it was given. The only good thing about this is I know it's not Gabby Agbonlahor. Oh, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's um, it's somebody with an odd name. It's I don't think it's one that will immediately jump out at us. So has scored two hat tricks, as you say, mm-hmm. in the same in season, a single season, in a single season for Villa. I th- I. I I don't. When I saw the name, I looked at it. I thought, oh, I don't really, oh, I, I don't really recognise that name. Really? Unless I'm thinking, of, maybe, maybe I, maybe I didn't see the stat. Maybe I'm talking <laughs> absolute shit. If, if that's the case, if you said that, that gives me a little so bit of uh, something to go Jacob, for. Not Ramsey, is it? He wouldn't have scored no, two hat tricks. No, we're no, talking. Had... I'll say the date, and you'll both give up straight away. But it is a player you'll both know. 1976, 1977 season. 
Okay, maybe that's why then. 76, 77. But you reckon we'll know the well, name? Oh, you'll know this player, yeah. Dion, no, Dion, that's way too early for Dion Dublin. Uh, well, I think you'll know. 76, 77, but we will know the name. Well, that's Ben Tech out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it must be, uh, you know, somebody, is he... Maybe we do, do we do this like your old quiz? Do we do a... Uh, is he still involved in football today as a pundit? Um, Villa. Or is he a manager? He was... He did become a broadcaster. He did? Yeah, but not anymore. Um, is he a manager? No. He was the lead pundit for Sky Sports when it first became a thing. Oh, it's not um, Andy Gray, is it? Hey. <laughs> Fucking Andy Gray. Top draw. Flasher. <laughs> there we go. Did we, did we, we answer the second one, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was the red cards. cards. Yeah, it was the red cards. Uh, right then, time to get involved in a bit of this. Right, uh, I believe the scores are two all, but I could be wrong. We can check. Um, mixing it up a little bit with some anagrams. Oh, do we need, a pen? Do we need you, a pen and paper? Yeah, you can get your phones or a pen and paper. Oh, I'd imagine phones. Just, yeah, it's two phones. Probably going to be easier for and you. And no going on to um, where you can, they have a website you can go on to where you put letters in and it will sort of websites. <laughs> anagram solvers. <laughs> anagram solving websites. Only because like there's... I'm on my notes. Okay, all right, hang on. Let me bring up... Um, depending on how long these take... Uh, yeah, Chris will have to spend some time editing. <laughs> I don't want to spend. I don't want to do that. Five or ten minutes on these. So, right. um, I'm on my notes too. There you go. Okay. okay. Switch. <laughs> <Not> really? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, so yeah, whoever gets it first, just shout out. Is there a, is there a, a, um, a theme to the anagram? Like, is it club names? Is it players? Or it's it's football. Yeah, players. all footballers. Okay. Yeah. Like Premier League. Or yeah, Premier League okay. players. Yeah. Okay. Okie dokie. So the first anagram is Bagel Heart. As this um, first name and last name. It's or... the full name of the footballer that was in the Premier League. Bagel Heart. So B A G E L H A R T. Oh, not H E A R T. Heart as in love heart, yeah. Oh. H E A R T. Okay. Uh... I'm going to suck at this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be doing some editing here, aren't I? <laughs> um, Maybe we do uh, three of these then. I think that clock ticking is also quite... It feels like countdown. <laughs> are these, like, current players who are playing now? No, 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 just Premier League players. Okay. Give you a hint, he's a golden boot winner. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the problem is as soon as there's like a timer on it like my head just goes I panic um, his surname is in Bagel oh um, Gareth Bale yes oh uh, no well, I never have got that 
Okay. I was trying to use all of the letters from Bagel to make his surname. Yeah, I, that's what I was <laughs> I had, like, Gabrielle and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, all right, next one. Farmland Park. Oh, Christ. <laughs> 68.7% of people got this right on the anagrams, so... 68%, eh? Yeah. Does it tell you on the anagrams, like, the um, the number of letters that make up each part of the, the name? No, no. Can you give us that? <laughs> Just tell us, like, six and four or whatever it may be for first name, surname, in terms of number of letters. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, farmland Park will be five and seven. Okay. Um... I'm definitely going to have to edit some of this out. <laughs> uh, okay. First clue is England International. Frank Lampard. Oh, well done. Yeah. Ooh. So basically, the second someone, <laughs> oh, no. second someone says it, in your mind, it's like... Yeah, as soon as he said it, like, it all the just like <laughs> lined up. Okay, there we go. One all. Okay. Number three is Rare Hanky. R A R E H A N K Y. Oh no, E Y. Okay. Um, e Y or no? Rare as K Y. K Y. H A N K Y. Rare hanky is five and four. <laughs> Harry Kane. Yep. Two one to Chris. I think that helps the five and four bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're moving quicker now, so that's good. (laughs) All right. Next player is Evaded. Spell it. E-V-A-D-E-D. This is a fucking spelling test. Evaded. (laughs) Put it in a sentence. (laughs) Man United evaded yet another three points. Uh, Evaded a dig. Which is five, two, and three. David De Gea. There we go. Three one. Mm. I was going to cut that off at five, so we can either play for fun on one or. <laughs> do one, go on, do one more. Why not? Okay. Well, that's quite a funny one. You ain't going to get it. Um, <laughs> nuked every bin. Nuked every bin. N u k e d. Nuked every bin. Give us the uh, breakdown of the name. It's five, two, and six. Jesus. Um. Um. um, um Still currently playing. Still currently playing. Yeah. Hmm. Premier League as well. Yeah. Still in the Premier League. Yeah. Hindsight, probably should have done this at 10 pm, should I? <laughs> <laughs> um, can you can you give us any more clues without making yes. it obvious? Midfielder. 
just trying to go through players mm. in the Premier League midfielders. Um, um, oh, you've done us in here, Pete. <laughs> done us in properly. We're only one, 1. 1.5% people got this. 1.5? So the hardest You one. expect me and Dan to get it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can cut this one because you've already won. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Hey, there we go. I was going through all the clubs thinking midfielders, right? Who's got a triple barreled name? No, good I job. Kind of, I kind of. I took the DE out because I thought it's got to be Dirt again, like De Gea. And then I moved the letters so I had a five and a six, and I was just trying to play around with them. And then I managed to get it so it said, like, Airy Bin, and that just made me think of De Bruyne. <laughs> my, my other clues were going to be Ginger or Jamie Haig. <laughs> Jamie Haig. <laughs> Very in clue, that one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there we go. There we go. I'll have to do <laughs> probably a little bit of editing on that. Cut out some of it. That was good, though. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I, I can cut out some of the day. I won't cut all of it out, because otherwise it'll make it sound like we're amazing. And let's well, be that honest. is three, two to you. Let's be honest. Nobody thinks we're amazing. So if I cut it out, made it sound like we've got it instantly, no one would fucking believe us anyway. <laughs> So anyway, uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Just a quick reminder that the LMA Season 5 will start tomorrow. It's uploaded. It's ready to go, set for premiere at 4 Excuse me, four p.m. tomorrow. Um, if uh, if you have been watching the series or you, uh, you're interested in watching, um, I can promise you that the first episode of Season 5 is a belter. Quite a lot happened. There's a fuck ton of goals, loads of laughs, loads of stupid shit are happening off the pitch as well. Um, and uh, and there is a kickabout derby sort of in the first episode because uh, you play Portsmouth mm. in your uh, first game in the season. Yeah, I wouldn't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, that's that'll be on on well, YouTube and, from um, tomorrow. There's the Newcastle game in that one as well. Yes. So if you can't, oh, I've already yeah, I've messaged. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely right. There's two technical uh, derbies in there. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that Dan started really well and you've not. Well, you have to, we have to watch tomorrow, Pete, and find out. Um, but just put it this way: I'll give, I mean, I'll give you one assumption. small. I want, yeah, it's, it's, it's got it's got basis. Um, I will give you one. Uh, I'll give you one clue: is that I did tell Shearer to watch his game against Newcastle. Okay. So that might give you an idea of what happened in that game. Right. <laughs> but even then, I'm not sure you'll still get what happened in that game because none of us fucking saw that one coming. Right. But uh, excellent. Yes, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week, of course. Do check out all our socials and all that stuff. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.